the law has got to change. So these judges need to have the power to resentence people the way they should. You know, you know, it, it's, it's happening because the war on drugs is over, whether some people don't want to believe that or not. It was it's over. So, you know, you got weed legalized, but yet you still have people in prison doing life for weed. So they need to come home, too. You know? Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Um, I, I believe, uh, you know, I, I've talked to a lot of folks actually. So were you, were you an addict or were you just a hustler? No, I, I never did use drugs. Okay. So you were just kind of got caught up in the lifestyle and, and, you know, just progressing along and, and whatever happens getting, uh, you were basically addicted to the, uh, to the hustle and the money and, and everything that came along with it. Yes. Sean Dustin spent time in federal and state prison for drug trafficking and fraud. Upon release in 2006, he had nothing but the clothes on his back, a bag of mail, and legal paperwork. In 2010, he kicked a longtime methamphetamine habit and started the long climb back up the ladder of life. This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast. If you want transparency and authenticity, you're in the right place. This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast, and this is Sean Dustin. What's up? This is a Nowhere to Go But Up podcast, and I'm your host, Sean Dustin. This is your first time listening. Welcome. If you're turning, welcome back. It's good to have you with us this evening. Got a great guest for you lined up, uh, but first, let's get through some house cleaning stuff. Uh, if you're enjoying what I'm doing and and, and uh, you like the uh, app that I'm working with, StreamYard here, um, you can go down to my affiliate link right there and all that will be available in the uh, description in the show notes. If you use that link, I will get a discount and so will you. You'll get $10 off your first um, paid subscription for the month and then I'll get a credit as well uh, and that will help support the show. Um, I'll also be streaming that or putting it right down there below. Uh, if you want to connect to the show, all the ways to connect to the show are on my link tree. Uh, that's available in the show notes as well. All my social media handles are there, all the ways to donate to the show. Um, you know, if you want to leave me a tip, uh, if you want to, you know, subscribe on Patreon, uh, any, all the ways that you connect to the nowhere to go, but up podcast is in that link tree. Uh, this evening, um, we have Paul Kratzis and his story is, uh, kind of unique. Um, I've always, you know, I've been dealing with a lot of, uh, having shows and episodes and talking a lot about, uh, the conspiracy charge and the, the abuse of it or the misuse of it. Uh, you know, with, with prosecutors on the state and, and the federal, uh, side in the federal courts. Um, a lot of it was more, more of it, I believe is in the federal system, but I've been dealing with a lot of that. And, uh, I have the privilege of talking to a gentleman, uh, who, you know, he'd spent 30 years 
of his life, uh, locked up on a conspiracy charge, a ghost dope conspiracy charge at that, uh, which means that it was basically hearsay. Somebody said that he had this and probably somebody else corroborated that and that's all they needed. And it was just a drug charge. Uh, you know, there's people that have murdered folks and, you know, don't do that much time. And so I'm, I'm honored to be able to talk to him. He, uh, just got released 10 days ago on the fifth, uh, from doing almost 30 years. Uh, let's introduce, uh, Paul Kratzis. How you doing? Um, this is Paul Kratzis. Hey, what's up? How you doing? What's happening, brother? Hey, it's good to uh, good to talk to you, and I'm glad you could make it to uh, to be on the show. Red beer. I bet, man. I bet. I mean, one thing I got to ask before we get into the story what uh, what was the first thing you ate when you got when you got uh, when you got a chance? Well, I mean, I wanted to go to McDonald's or something like that, you know, but uh, we went to have steak and uh, lobster. You know, but I'm kind of tired of that steak and lobster because we had it every day in prison, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. I know. I know. I was there. I, I did. Uh, not as long. I mean, I did a, a 18 month stint in, uh, in, in a medium, but I mean, you know, that was not enough time to get any programming in or anything. You just, you know, by the time you get settled, it's time to go. Um, so tell me a little bit about your, uh, your, your background. Um, I know that, uh, from reading, the the stuff that you'd sent me when I was trying to do the description, um, you were your last drug deal was uh, basically a drug deal gone bad, right? Right, and then uh, pick it up from there. Well, I went to do a drug deal. You know, I'm not saying I was an angel or not like that. I was in the drug business, and I went to do a drug deal, and um, it wasn't a drug deal. These guys had other plans. And uh, their plan were to kill me and take them up. You know, I didn't know they was doing bad at the time, but uh, that's what happened. So I got basically, I got shot, robbed, and carjacked and sent to prison for life. That's in short. But there's a story behind every segment of it. You know, I want I want to meet the guys, and um, they put the gun in my head and pulled the trigger. And lucky for me, there wasn't a, a bullet in the chamber. When the bullet did get chambered, I took two to the face and uh, wind up crashing the car and getting away. That's another story in itself. But uh, after being charged at the hospital with attempted murder on the people who just shot me, I'm the one get charged. And, and I got charged with 25 kilo conspiracy because he said he worked for me. And I put the gun to his head and pulled the trigger. And the bullet didn't go off, and that's how I got the tent murder charge. But that didn't happen. That happened to me. Nothing. So when I made bail on both those charges, the feds uh, picked me up. And um, they charged me with conspiracy with someone already in prison. And uh, that's what I was found guilty of by the jury. Conspiracy. conspiracy alone is what the jury found me guilty of. Zero drug amount. So that charge right there carries a maximum of 20 years. But from 1987 to 1999, and a little while after, people are getting sentenced illegally in violation of their Sixth Amendment right. So you don't have to have any drugs found by the jury. The judge will find it by preponderance of the evidence. And the Supreme Court said in Apprendi, 
and again in Elaine 2013 that they can do that. The jury has to find a person guilty beyond a reasonable doubt of any fact or element that increases a person's sentence. That wasn't done in my case. And it's not done in many people's cases that were convicted from 1987 of November 1999 of July. You still have people in prison doing time on Sixth Amendment violation because there's no there, there's no apprendi ruling by the Supreme Court was not made retroactive, even though it's a watershed ruling. So what what you're saying is is that there's there's a whole bunch of folks that still, you know, are, are looking for some reprieve. What what's the obstacle to that reprieve? I mean, you you were able to get out on the compassionate release, um, which was I I yeah, I put it in there. I think it's uh the actual I hope I got the actual uh uh law right that I put in there. Um but it was basically well go go ahead and explain it. Well, what happened was uh Chuck Grassley and Dick Durbin passed the uh help write the um first step back. And with the help of uh Jared Kushner and Donald Trump, it got signed and uh, passed in uh December of two thousand eight. There was a little loophole that, you know, the law wouldn't the way the laws wrote, it don't affect me. But it didn't it, it made change statute that found guilty of it changed life sentence to 25 years, but it did not make it retroactive. So that statute was good, but it wasn't retroactive. So I couldn't go back in court on that. I had to wait for it to go retroactive, and it's been over two years and it hasn't went retroactive yet. So I heard um, one of the newscasters that was that helped on, on you know, the bill will pay help everyone. So I kind of believe I just had to look in that law and try to find that loophole that would. And that loophole was the compassion. They said that because the BOP wasn't bringing forth that compassion. The law, the first step back, said that we, the prisoners, the inmates, can bring forth a compassion release motion. And under paragraph D, it says, so I think my case is extraordinary compelling that the fact that I wouldn't get that much time today, and I shouldn't get that much time even then. So the most time I would be today would be around 12 And since I did almost 30, I think that's extraordinary compelling. And that was my argument that I was trying to make to the judge with the help of uh yeah this hold, hold on hold on one second your audio is breaking up to where it's making it really difficult for uh folks to hear you um so we'll try try we'll, we'll, we'll try it again uh we you stopped at you had the uh the 15 years is what you would it would have been and then the last thing we heard is Carlos uh, was the one that wrote the mo- motion for you. Yeah, he helped me. I've been saving the paperwork to do the motion for about four years. So I met, met the right person and I finally met the right person and uh, he offered to uh, help me. 
and he spent many hours researching, and that's basically what he came up with. And we've, you know, the passionate relief for the for the first step back. All right, whatever you're doing is working a lot better. So let's let's answer some uh, go to some of these questions here. So uh, Kevin Haynes says, "I believe everything that he is saying." I did 27 years in the feds. We've got Betty Alfred. Uh, God bless you, PJ. Glad you're finally home. And you can you can answer answer them if you like too as well. Yeah. Um. I mean, the law has got to change. So these judges need to have the power to resentence people the way they should. You know, you know, it, it's, it's happening because the war on drugs is over, whether some people don't want to believe that or not. It was it's over. So, you know, you got weed legalized, but yet you still have people in prison doing life for weed. So they need to come home, too. You know. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Um, I, I believe, uh, you know, I, I've talked to a lot of folks actually. So were you, were you an addict or were you just a hustler? No, I, I never did use drugs. Okay. So you were just kind of got caught up in the lifestyle and, and, you know, just progressing along and, and whatever happens getting, uh, you were basically addicted to the, uh, to the hustle and the money and, and everything that came along with it. Yes. So I've been talking to some other folks, uh, the ones that are on the other end of, of some of these, you know, uh, conspiracy indictments down out of the Northern district of Texas. Um, I still have to, uh, air those episodes. Uh, but I wanted to wait a little while cause I had a partner who was uh, running the same ones. So mine was going to be a little bit different, but the same thing. Um, you know, they got caught up in conspiracies with, uh, other, you know, other folks, you know, they were in, in detention waiting after they got busted. You've got people that are telling on each other or actually conspiring while they're in there to kind of corroborate a story together and telling, you know, calling up the feds and saying, Hey, look, we got information on X, Y, and Z. And then lo and behold, you know, it started out as 53 grams and turns into 17 kilos before. Well, well that's because the judge can find X, you know, you know, the jury, the jury's got to be able to find facts. And uh, you can be charged with conspiracy to sell drugs, but yet maybe you get years, maybe you get 30 years, but then all of a sudden you can get sentenced to life for a murder. And you say, hey, I wasn't indicted for murder. I wasn't found guilty by a jury for murder. But here at the end of the trial, the judge is sentencing you for a murder. You know, that's the kind of craziness that's going on from 1907 to 1999. Yeah, that's, uh, it's too bad. And it really, I mean, it doesn't like when I was, I was hearing about this when I first caught my case back in 2004, 2005, you know, they were people, um, in, in my, uh, pretrial, there were, you know, there were some guys there that had been out of the game for years and somebody pulls their name out of a hat and decides to, you know, use their name to get some time off and they're sitting in there on a conspiracy charge. They think that there's no no evidence so they can go ahead and uh and, and fight the case and like your like your situation, you you took it to the box and and ended up getting the maximum amount, right? Well, yes. You know, like I said, the charges they hit me with was attempt murder and 25 kilo conspiracy you know, basically was a frame up 
and those got thrown out. So I knew because the lies that was told won't add up in court because the car that they said took a trip to Florida, I just bought at the auction and the mileage ain't going to add up. So I knew I was going to beat that. It just going to take time. But anyway, the last charge, the federal charge, is the one that I couldn't beat. And yes, the guy did get uh, time off for uh, basically testifying. And that very, and I heard that that very same guy had uh, uh, some controlled buys in his in his background as well, right? Got locked up with six kilos on him in his car, did some controlled buys, and all that. But he did nothing. There was no proof the man and him did anything together other than his word. Yeah, there's definitely we got to have some reform on that, man. Because it, 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 so, I mean, with the new changes and everything else, I mean, does it lessen? It lessens it by a little bit, but I mean, yeah, things are getting better, but there is still ways to go. You know, the way to fix this problem is to bring back parole the way it was, and that would be a check and balance against the out of control, you know, prosecutor or court system or whatever. The pro, you know, the old prosecutor in my case actually tried to help get me clemency four years ago. I just found this out, but I was denied by Obama. But so my clemency did go to the White House four years ago. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm going to we have a uh, the your um, judgment or not judgment, but opinion from your judge that I'm going to bring up and read a portion of that uh, at some point. Ray Reddish says, uh, thank you, Carlos, for your work you did to get my brother out. God bless you. Uh, we had Jeffrey Munyon saying, tell them, Paul. Speak it. Speak speak it, brother. Well, a lot of people helped me. Well, you know, Carlos Bazin did all the legal work, and a year and a half later, the, the federal uh, public defenders picked it up. You know, but um, there's a lot of people that was pushing work in different directions. You know, my sisters did a lot of work, tireless, Jeff, a lot of people, you know, and Carlos never stopped, you know, but a lot of people fought for me, you know. Yeah, but you also fought for yourself because, I mean, I've been there and it's real easy to sit around and do nothing. I mean, except, you know, go to your job and, and, but I mean, it's real easy to come back to the pod and just, you know, hang out and not do anything. Uh, You didn't do that. You know, even no. even though your your uh, future was bleak and you had no idea that any of this was going to even transpire or take place, you still went on a mission to better your life, better yourself, um, take responsibility for for the situation and what happened, and uh, you programmed. Yeah, some of them programs that they that they've been offering pretty good, you know, and. Uh, I was lucky to uh, take the Life Connections program. I did it for all the wrong reasons at first, but once I got in the program, you know, it was to benefit myself. That's awesome. That's awesome, man. It's always good to to see when somebody takes responsibility for their their actions and then turns around and tries to, uh, you know, better themselves. And and by bettering themselves, they're bettering the people around them. Uh, Lisa Marie Bory McLaughlin uh, God bless his two sisters for not giving up on him as well. Kathy Renzi says, thank you, Catherine Newberger. Carlos Baisden, I get too much credit. Paul had to make the right choices for a long time to even be eligible. That's very true. 
And, you know, I like to say, you know, the, the federal public defender, you know, who took, took my case last year did a good job. I mean, you know, he did things that others couldn't do, you know, and uh, he picked the ball up and basically carried it across the finish uh, line, you know? Yeah, so, absolutely. I know exactly what you mean. A lot of people, there was a lot of people that played a part. Even attorney Andrew White, you know, out of Baltimore, did a great job too, you know, helping me, you know, trying to do what he could. Yeah, I mean, even when you watch some of the, uh, you know, some of the documentary stuff um, on, you know, what it takes to get somebody out on clemency or like I've I've been in contact and I've had Amy Candu uh, from Candu Clemency on my show as well. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of work that goes into that. You know, I know another guy, Chad uh, Marks. Uh, do you, are you familiar with him? Yeah. Yeah, I know. Uh, he does a lot of work, too, uh, yes. you know, trying to help people get out working very hard, you know, and trying to bring change, you know? Yep, yep. And doing a lot of work and trying to make changes. You know, like I said, the really the only way to fix it is to reinstate parole. Parole is in place now. All, all the lawmakers got to do is reinstate it the same way it was uh, in 1987 and, and before. And that will be a good check and balance. And it will reward those who are trying to program from those who are not. So, you know, you want a program, do the right thing, stay out of trouble, then you're going to get a chance at parole. But if you don't, then you're not. So it's a good check and balance. And uh, on a life sentence back then, a person was eligible for parole after 12 years. So I could have got out 18 years ago, had our program, did the right thing. You know, so that would have been a good check and balance against, you know. Yeah, it's over. A- it's incentivization, you know, you're, you're incentivized to do well, then you're going to, then you're going to behave well, uh, you know, for the rewards at the end of that. Uh, we got Carlos Bazin again. Uh, and yes, without his sisters to support him, the judge would be reluctant to release someone without support on the outside. So there's three things right there that had to, to had to line up for you to be able to do this as well. Uh, yeah. Jeffrey Munyon, we love you, Paul. Ray Reddish, thank you all. You all did a wonderful job. Carlos again, yep, it's a team effort. Shows like this and other media make a big impact too. Thank you, uh, Carlos. I appreciate it. Um, you know, I'm just an I'm just an amplifier. You know, I'm amplifying and trying to boost the signal of other people that need to get their stories out there, and you know, righting the wrongs, some of the corruption that goes on out there, um, boosting those signals as well. And that's all we can do. Uh, you've got a whole huge conglomerate media, mainstream media, uh, machine that does a very good job at, at hiding things and, and, and keeping things from, you know, that they don't want, you know, part of the narrative. And so it's up to us smaller mainstream, uh, uh, you know, not mainstream media outlets and, and alternative media outlets to, you know, kind of rage against that or not, not so much rage against it, but I mean, fight it with, our media and and the real stories and what's really happening. And at some point, you know, hopefully it'll all intersect and, you know, we'll be the majority and not the minority. One can only hope, right? Yeah. Uh, Jeffrey Munyon, God also helps in this. Absolutely. Yes, definitely. Ray Reddish, amen. 
Jeffrey Munyon, Chad Marks, blessings. So, yeah, I mean, you know, you got that portion of it, uh, you know, what you learned while you were in there. Um, you know, what it, what do you, what are the plans for Paul, uh, now that you're out? Well, you know, I like to, um, change, uh, system and help those that are left behind really, you know, in, in any way I can shine some light, you know, on, uh, on the issue. Yeah. Uh, My thing will be trying to bring back parole for everyone. And right now you got these guys that have been locked in since, uh, the COVID thing started, uh, March, you know, last year, March 13th, when the COVID started, they've been locked down ever since, you know, getting fed bad. This has got to end for them. They got to be, you know, stop, stop being treated like that, basically. You know, so, I mean, we're getting our lives back together with COVID out here, you know, but they're on lockdown ever since. I was on lockdown for like nine, 10 months because of it. Yeah. I was talking to folks, uh, inside when it was happening and, you know, I mean, it was, uh, they were, it was just getting bad. So, yeah, I mean, it's such a, it's such a huge, it seems like such a huge, um, uh, ladder to climb mountain to climb. Um, but just little, 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 little bit at a time, you know, wins like this, uh, you being able to tell your story and talk to folks out there and, and let them know what's going on. Um, you know, any of the change.org, uh, petitions that you, uh, have, feel free to send them my way and I'll definitely post them on my social media and, yeah. and stuff like that. That way, you know, I can help boost that signal as well. I got, I got two of them that I'm, I'm working on starting. Uh, one, you know, friend and, uh, I'm trying to help. He's got a weed case, you know, his name's long. He's doing life sentence for in the federal system for weed. And, uh, another one, in uh, Amber Clark, uh, her brother, Morris, Harold Morrison, he got a 20-year sentence for weed in the state of Maryland. And uh, I'm help, trying to help James Sweeney. He's got a life sentence in the feds. That case needs to be investigated if there's uh, issues with that. So those are the cases that I'm working on now with Carlos Basin. So I have a, I have, I have a, a question. You don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but um, what do you, what are your thoughts uh, with the guy that that wrote this bill? That's kind of responsible for you know all of that from the ninety four crime bill. As the president, do you think he's going to do more about uh, D? what do they call it? Deprivatizing prisons, uh, especially the BOP where they, you know, he's talking about prison industry, not, uh, they're doing away with it, but they're not really doing away with anything in in the BOP. Well, I understand what your question is. Yeah. Um, I, I have, he's going to do that. I mean, yeah, he wrote the crime bill. He was responsible for it, but you got to understand that was in the midst of the beginning of the drug war. That's the thing, you know, He's one of the gatekeepers of the drug war. He knows it's over with. He knows it's ended. So it doesn't matter who's president. It's going to be fixed. The problem's going to be fixed. And he knows it's going to be fixed. The lawmakers like Chuck Grassley and Dick Durbin know what needs to be done, and they're going to do it. You know, they're going to fix the problem. 
it's going to be a bipartisan effort. I hope so. I hope so. Uh, and, you know, to uh, help fix it. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, like I said, I hopefully it does work out that way. And, uh, you know, we start getting some of these exorbitant amounts of time and the people that are, are serving those exorbitant amount, exorbitant amounts of time, uh, some reprieve and some light at the end of the tunnel for them. Um, let's get to a couple more of these questions and I'm going to show the uh, pictures from you from when you were in there. Um, let's see. We got uh, Jeffrey Munyon, beautiful sisters. Don Marie uh, Crab or Crabe uh, Hearts. Betty Alfred, Amen PJ, let them hear your voice, brother. Exactly. That's what we got to do. Amplify the voices of people who've been wronged. Or I wouldn't say I wouldn't say so much wrong, but I mean, you know, the, if the crime, the crime, and the time is just way, way, way upside yeah, down. You know, like Thomas Gear, life sentence for marijuana. You know, you got a lot of people doing time. The jury finds them guilty of one thing, but they're sentenced to another because it was done on preponderance of evidence during that little segment from 1987 to 1999. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's too, every time, you know, it, it irritates me a lot, you know, because every time I, I think about it, my mind always goes immediately to the to the conspiracy side of it, you know, and, and I know that a lot of times that, you know, there is just, just because of the situation, it, a lot of things look nefarious, but it's just because it's, it's, a, it's a broken system or, it, well, no, the system kind of runs the way it's supposed to. But Frank Fernandez, we need campaign finance reform and term limits to keep out of touch. Uh, term limits to keep out of touch. Career lawmakers in check. The war on drugs is an absolute waste. Federal judge appointments should be should not be lifetime. There are too many street level eighteen to twenty five year old first time offenders getting their lives ruined by antiquated sentencing guidelines. Absolutely, I agree with that. Definitely. Jeffrey Munyon, let's do this. And Jeffrey again, Paul was buried alive. So at this point right here, I'm going to switch to a couple of uh, uh, pictures of Paul while he was uh, doing time. I'm going to bring that in. We'll go full screen on that. So how old were you on uh, in this picture, Paul? Well, that was taken uh, in 2007, I believe. So, what, 13 years ago? So I was about 43. 43. How old were you uh, when you got locked up? 27. 27? Damn, that's young. And that's you and your niece. That was probably, I imagine, one of the reasons why you... Uh, that's my granddaughter. Your granddaughter? Yeah, so, my, my son's daughter. Awesome. He died last year. Oh, man, sorry. I'm, I'm sorry to hear that, brother. So I imagine that was a, a really uh, motivator right there for you um, to keep going and keep pushing on, right? Definitely. Yep. Me and my sisters. And they've been through. What, what's the age difference there? Uh, my one sister is, they're in 50 and 55. Ain't much age different. Okay. Okay. Were you got, were you close when you got, when you went away? Well, man, my, yeah, well, basically, 
you know, when I went away, I kind of like wanted this, you know, cut everybody off from the outside world there for a while, you know, you know, cause I had to deal with this situation in prison. So, yeah, it's tough. It's tough. I remember, I remember not wanting to really talk to anybody either. Cause it was a lot easier for me to, to be there when I don't know what's going on over there. Well, I didn't think I was going to get out, you yeah. know, if, I really believe for the first 10 years I wasn't getting out. Yeah. So only little things changing here and there did I see a little bit of hope, you know? And you started your sentence at 27 in a, in a maximum security, right? A high. Yeah. Lewisburg. Um, what was, what was, what was that experience like being that age coming into, to a, a facility that's like, I, I'd never experienced that. And I'd probably be pretty scared. Well, you know, things happen, you know? Yeah. Anything can happen. Yeah, that's you for know, sure. I, I didn't think that, uh, that I would ever get out, put it that way. Well, I'm glad you're here, man. I'm glad you made it. I'm glad I made it too. <laughs> I'm thankful for it too. You know, like Catherine Newberger, Public Defender's Office, you know, Federal Public Defender's Office out of Baltimore, and and Carlos Bazin, you know, and my sisters, and Jeff Munyon. You know, a lot of people, you know, did a lot of of work. It was a team effort for sure. Yes, sir. So tell me about this picture. You got quite a long long hair there. You got short hair now. That picture was taken in uh, 2002 in – USP, uh, Colorado, Florence, Colorado. Okay. Is that, is that where they have the, uh, ADX? Yeah. They have the ADX right next door and the USP right there together. All right. That was taken in, uh, Lompoc in, uh, in 2000. Oh, Lompoc. You're, that's in my neck of the woods in California, yeah. down the, down South. Yeah, I think it's summer of 2000. All right, that's good for that. Let's go to the what I want to read here. Um, it's the last part of this, and it, I think it really speaks to um, what uh, to you as a person. Um, well, I'll go ahead and read two pages. One of the original prosecutors now in private practice supports the request, the request for immediate release without minimizing the offense conduct. He points out the comment of the sentencing judge that the mandatory life sentence was too high and that he would impose the low end of the, of the then mandatory guidelines if permitted. And the states that the highest mandatory minimum for this conduct would be 25 years and that the changes to qualifying predicate convictions likely mean that he would face at most a 15-year mandatory minimum today. Pursuant to McCoy, Mr. Kratzis and then mandatory life sentence imposed presence, presents grounds for compassionate release consideration. Furthermore, consideration of this concurrent dangerous and the statute 3553A factors support granting release. 
Mr. Kratzis has spent nearly three decades in prison for a nonviolent drug offense. Although he possessed a firearm, for which the sentence today likely would be less, perhaps much less, a defendant today would certainly not face a mandatory life sentence. No one does for a drug offense. The two prior drug convictions on his record resulted in suspended sentences and would not qualify as predicate serious drug convictions for statutory enhancements. The assault with intent to murder could qualify as a prior crime of violence. Thus, he would face a 15-year mandatory minimum if the government filed a notice under 851. Uh, his now advisory, advisory guidelines as a career offender would still be quite high, but with good time credits, he has already served more than the bottom of those guidelines. F this is the part that really impressed me. Few defendants left to their own devices, present as well-reasoned, comprehensive, and compelling motions as those filed by Mr. Kratzis over the years. Undeterred by his lack of success, Mr. Kratzis persevered and his latest motion will be granted. It is time to recognize that both the law and Mr. Kratzis have changed over the last three decades. His youthful refusal to acknowledge his guilt or to accept punishment has given way to reflective maturity. His positive attitude while in prison is demonstrated by the myriad courses, programs, and activities he has completed successfully, earning him transfer to a low-security facility and the support of his mentor and family. <clears throat> he has demonstrated that he is not likely to be a danger to society due to his insights into his personal responsibility and the release plan he has offered. He is to be commended for his refusal to lose hope. A separate order will follow. So tell me, man, what did it feel like? Let me get rid of this and pull you back in here. Um, what did it feel like to, <sighs> hold on a Great. second. Yeah. Let me get this out of here. All right. What did it feel like to, like when you, when you saw that, when you heard that, I mean, what was it? What I mean, was that I was feeling? Kind of, when I got it on an email, my lawyer, Captain Newberg sent it to me and, uh, I kind of like stepped away from the, um, the computer, you know, because I was kind of like in shock, basically, you know, and um, and I, oh, you know, Life Connections program, it was them and the mentor they set up, you know, Mike Hart. That program helped get me to a low security, which basically, you know, they told me for most of the time that you'll never go to a low, you can only go to a medium. But people graduating from that program did get to go uh, to lower security prisons, you know, with life sentence. I think about nine of us wind up going there altogether. Two, two of us, three of us went to uh, Sandstone alone. And, uh, you know, I never got a chance to thank the judge in that case. But Judge Shastnall, you know, I really am appreciative, you know, for what she done for me, you know. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I, I, it's really, it's really admirable to, um, to see and to, you know, kind of hear about the different, you know, how, how, like that's, that's gotta be difficult, man. It's gotta be difficult to, 
not implode uh, under those circumstances for so long. Um, and yeah, you're a, you're a inspiration, man. Um, and I just keep up the good work and, uh, you know, don't, don't, uh, I know you're not going to take it for granted. Um, and no. you're going to do some great things, uh, on the back end of this. Uh, you got a you have a 10 year tail, right? Yeah. My, you know, my sister, you know, really Kathy and, and joy really helped me, you know, as far as making it and success and set me up with a nice place and house and, and a car. They did everything and more, you know, and that, my friends are even stepping up and, uh, you know, making sure that I got everything that, that I need, you know? Yeah. All, that, um, that That's a key to success for somebody getting out. And I'm going to run through a couple more of these, uh, these comments here. You got Carlos based in another remarkable thing that helped PJ come home was going from a USP down to a low. Most lifers never make it to a low and never get wrapped up. It may get wrapped up in the negativity of the system. Absolutely. Yeah, I would like to know whose email he read first. I think Catherine was the first to find out since she was the attorney assigned at the time. I just want to thank all involved from Jeffrey, Carlos. It takes fortitude for a judge to grant and to grant a compassionate release. They often receive criticism, even in cases like Paul's, when his release is totally justified. Yeah, the first part of that opinion was they were they trying to not were they trying to argue against letting you go? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean they got to argue something, you know. They were basically saying that the, the first step back wasn't retroactive and and things like that. But, you know, even though it's not retroactive, the judge still has discretion to lower a person's sentence on anything they deem extraordinary compelling. And that's what the case McCoy basically said in the Fourth Circuit. And and one thing about it, when Biden came in, you know, Trump was good, you know, for justice and change, you know, changing laws, whatever. But when, when Biden came in, he changed the U.S. prosecutors. And what that did was, uh, I believe, telling the prosecutors in each state to stop appealing these compassionate releases to the higher court, like McCoy, to the full Fourth Circuit, because that would extend it. You know, I would still be in prison right now if that wasn't the case. So Biden did help speed up things, I guess, you know, by put pointing new prosecutors. Yeah, for sure. All right. It takes fortitude for – oh, we already read that one. Uh, let's go – Paul earned many trades in prison. What did you, uh, what were, what were some of the trades that you learned? I know when I was there, I was a barber. I took a welding, basic and advanced and uh, floor care maintenance and uh, heating and air conditioning. That's a good one. Jeff Munyon, just look at my buddy. He is doing what he need, what needs to be done. And then Lisa, me, ah, Getting tongue-tied. Lisa Marie Boy McLaughlin, keep your head up and clear. You can now focus on helping others. And I think that, you know, there was a uh, – I think we're at a point where um, – and this is where I'm going to talk a little bit about, um, you know, having a, uh, a support system when you get out and, you know, that being one of the, you know, key elements to, uh, folks that are returning home, uh, reentering society back to the community or back to their perspective communities. 
is a support system. Because when you don't have that, it's very easy for guys to, um, I guess, I mean, reoffend um, or just looking. You know, it's just a lot easier. I mean, they put you through a lot of hoops. Let's just say that. Um, depending on where you live, getting a job and all this other stuff, the halfway house, um, you know, it, to me, in my opinion, I, I believe that the cards are stacked against you when you get, when you get out and you don't have a support system or a plan, a plan in place. If they don't have that, then, uh, then they will get mandatory halfway house, even if their time is up, you know? Yeah. Those halfway houses aren't very fun. No. But, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's almost just like being it's, it's almost like being in prison but not in prison sure uh well at least the one that i was at in oakland california so um we're at about 45 minutes paul i got uh one to do after you um so any parting words any thing that you want to talk about uh that we didn't get to yeah, well, you know, there's going to be a change.org uh, petition I'm going to put up in the next day or two. I like to get a lot of signatures on it for a, a friend from the neighborhood, James Sweeney, and, um, and a guy named Thomas Gear and Long, you know, from California. Both of them, in case we life sentence. All three of them got life sentence. That's basically it. All right. Well, like I said, you can uh, definitely um, send all that stuff to me. Uh, I'm good. This will be coming out in in the podcast platforms like iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Spreaker, all the all the major platforms and the small ones. Um, I plan on doing it tomorrow, but if I hold off a little bit, um, if you can get those to me, I can add that to that, so they'll they'll be up there. On yeah. the, on the show notes and in the description. And if you want to follow Paul, you can over at, uh, on the Facebook. There's his, uh, Facebook profile page. That's also available in the description and, uh, hang out for a second, Paul. And, uh, when I, after I sign out, I'll be right there to, to talk to you for a second. Yeah. All right. Thank you, brother. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, if you've been watching, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, you know, that's a great story. Uh, it's always nice to, to see when somebody is, has, you know, made a change and, uh, you know, changed their life around and wants to do better. Uh, I'm, I'm, I did that. Uh, you know, it, it's not the easiest thing in the world, but it is the best thing that you can do. Um, you know, cause helping people, in my opinion, uh, and sometimes I don't even know who I'm helping, but when I do help somebody and somebody does reach out to me and say, Hey man, you know, I needed to hear that episode or, you know, I loved what you said about this or or that, that was what I needed to, you know, move on another day to keep pushing, to keep fighting, to keep going. Um, you know, when things seem, seem tough and, uh, you know, I think that's what we're all here to do. Um, we're here to help each other and realize that we are more alike than we are different. And the more that we can live in that and in those thoughts and in that place, um, everything and anything is possible, I believe. So 
Uh, if you liked the video and you've been watching on uh, YouTube, do me a favor, subscribe, hit the thumbs up video, uh, thumbs up. Uh, if you're on Facebook, do me a favor, like the uh, video, share it. Uh, if you are on the podcast platforms and you're listening to this, uh, do me a favor, subscribe, hit that subscribe button on any platform that you're on. Uh, we, we could use the support and also it, it helps us to become more visible on the, uh, at the platforms, platforms themselves. Jesus, I'm having a hard time talking this evening. Um, so yeah, uh, looking forward to seeing you tomorrow, some more this week. I have three lined up on, uh, Thursday. Um, they'll be at six o'clock at seven o'clock and at eight, at 8 PM Pacific time. And then I'll have one more on Friday at 6 PM. And then that'll be it for the week. Uh, so until Thursday, um, I will talk to you all later. You've been listening to the nowhere to go, but a podcast. Sean is a single dad, a union blue collar guy, and he spent time in federal and state prison for drug trafficking and fraud. When he was released from prison in 2006, all he had was the clothes on his back, a bag of mail and some paperwork. Since then, he's turned his life around and shares the struggles and successes on this podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show and we hope you were moved to connect to the show. Book a guest spot for merch, Patreon, PayPal, and social media links. Go to linktr.ee slash nowhere to go but up. On Instagram at nowhere to go but up now. On Twitter at but up now. On the YouTube channel at nowhere to go but up podcast. See you next time.